Welcome to the Sawyer Highlands and Converge Community Church Sermon Podcast. Each week we will upload the sermon that was preached during the Sunday morning service at our New Buffalo campus in hopes that it will serve you well during the week. So sit back, relax, and may you be encouraged by the great hope you have in Jesus Christ as you listen to the preaching of God's Word. Butch, thank you. Uh, Thank you, worship team, for leading us during this time of of worship. And again, it is a blessing to be with with all of you this morning, um, to be able to engage with the Word of God and we do that in various ways. We do it through song, uh, but we, we also open up the Word of God. Uh, if you do have your Bibles, you can open up to Galatians chapter 3. We're going to be working through that. And um, we're going to be throwing up passages on the screens. But here's the thing. Um, as, as we as pastors were working through this and how we we're going to preach this series... Uh, you know, it was kind of a debate of, of where do we stop and where, we, where do we begin? And so this morning, uh, we're only going through three verses. And you're saying, why, why did you begin with verse 7? Why are you ending in verse 9? And it's because there's some, some theological significance, some deep-rooted truths in just these three verses. So what we're going to do this morning is... In a sense, we're going to dive deep. We're going to dig into the weeds and, and get into some details. But we have to understand that this is part of a larger context. Paul is making a larger argument. So I don't want us to be so focused on these details that we don't, we don't see the big picture. So we have to see the big picture. The biggest picture of them all, okay, this, the main idea that we're trying to come that we're that we're trying to get out is that it is by faith um, justification by faith right the gospel we are to come back to the gospel this is what Paul is telling the Galatians come back to the come back to the gospel okay that's that's the call because it is um, through the gospel that the Spirit will set us free that freedom comes. Okay? So that's like this big picture of what Paul is trying to do. He's, he's giving this call to come back to the gospel. But today we're going through, we're, we're getting into some of the weeds. And he's referring back in these three verses, he's referring back to Abraham. Abraham, this, this man from the Old Testament. I'm sure you've heard stories of Abraham. You've sang songs of Abraham. Why is he going there? And it's because there's theological significance. There's something really important about Abraham that Paul wants to share with us. So here's, here's how it all hopefully will play out. It's, it's this idea. Um, have, have you guys, who has, does anyone play chess? Anybody ever play chess? The game, okay, some over there. All right. So um, there's uh, the grandmaster, the, the world champion. His name is Magnus Carlsen. I think he's like in his mid-20s. He might actually, he might be 30 now. But I mean, the guy, you can, you can show him a game and, and he can tell you the date of when that game was played and who played it. 
back like even like 1920s, 1930s, 40s, 50s, you show him a game and he would recognize what, where that game is played. That's, that's how brilliant this man is, okay? And he can actually map out a whole entire game in his head, not even looking at a board. And he can say, if, that, if you move here, then I will move here. And if, then I know that the best move is to move here and here and here. And he can play through a whole entire game like that, okay? So people think, wow, that's brilliant. So these grandmasters can think ahead 20 or 30 moves or to a whole game. And that's, that's kind of true. They can do that if, if the game was played before. But let's say they play five or six moves and then there's a move that they've never seen before. You know what they have to do? They have to stop and think about it. And they have to calculate, okay, he moved here, what's the best move? And then what would they do? And then what would they do? And they can, they can mentally work through that Probably given, you know, if usually there's a time limit so that it's, they can only go for so long, maybe seven or eight moves ahead and try to work it out just in their mind without even moving the pieces and, and work it out. Okay, I think this is the way to go. But then if they move the next piece and there's another move that they didn't anticipate, they have to recalculate again. So in a sense, they have, an, they don't know what's going to happen. They have to kind of go with the flow. These are the most brilliant uh, masters. That's what they have to do. Here's the thing with, the, with God. He never has to recalculate. There's nothing, there's nothing that comes at him where he goes, ooh, I didn't anticipate that. How are we going to figure this out? There's never that time. So, so when we go to the Bible... The Bible is written by all these, these people, all these men throughout history, all these books. And we read one of the books and we go, okay, interesting story. And then we read the next book and we're like, okay. And, and we just take them as, as these stories, but we also know, wait a minute, God is, is divinely inspired this. Why, why these books? Why in this order? It doesn't make sense to us. That move doesn't make sense. Wait a minute. Um, the queen was captured. That's bad. Why on earth would he allow that to happen? He must have made a mistake. No, 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 no. When it comes to, with God, no mistakes. And so the point is this, is God is giving this grand story from the beginning of Genesis to the, to the end of Revelation, this grand story, and it starts in one direction, and it's moving along, and if we just look at that specific thing, we're like, what? What? Did he make a mistake? No, no, no. He's going in a direction, and, he, and it's going to get there. It's going to get there. What God has planned will come to fruition. And hopefully that's what we're going to see in these passages, okay? Um, so let's give a little review of where God is going here. So a fuller context of this. So we're going to start in Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 10. 
You guys can throw this little outline out. Here's the problem. The Galatians abandoned the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Okay? So that's the problem he shares. This is in verses 6 through 10, chapter 1. And then Paul goes to verses 11 to 14. The gospel I preach is from God, not man. So that's what he needs to establish. He's trying to prove this. Listen, guys, this false gospel, that's from man. But the gospel I'm preaching you is from God. Here's how you know that it's from God. And he works through that. Then Galatians 2, 15 through 21, he says, okay, now you know that it's from God. Here it is. This is the gospel. And he, and he sums it up with these words. The heart of the gospel, justification by faith alone. Justification by faith. Justification by faith. Get that into your head. Justification by faith alone. Let me, let me open it up a little bit more. Justification by faith alone in Christ alone. It has to do with Jesus and what he accomplished for us on the cross. Something that he was able to accomplish, only him. And it's by that work that we are justified. It's faith in what he has done. So by faith, we are justified. And then last week, we looked at chapter 3, verses 1 through 7, that all aspects of salvation comes by hearing with faith. So it's this question that he keeps bringing up. He's like, did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by hearing by faith? The obvious answer is hearing by faith. And he goes through and he says, listen, you received it by hearing, you know, hearing by faith. How about um, the work that he does, the spirit does within you? Is that by works of the law or by hearing by faith? And so what we talk about here is we kind of, when it comes to salvation, you can say it this way, you have been saved, that there's this specific point that you have been saved. This is being declared righteous. You have been declared righteous by faith, by having faith in Jesus. But also you are being saved. It's a continual thing. And the, the big theological word or term that we use is sanctification. He, God is doing a work in you to, to form you in the image of Jesus, to have the same character as Jesus had. And that is a lifelong process, and there's ups and downs of that, okay? So you've been saved, you're being saved, and then you are going to be saved. There's a future tense, and we call that glorification, that there'll be a time when you are with God and there'll be no more sin, no more pain, no more tears. Of course, that's on the other side of it. Heaven. So it's, you have been saved, you're being saved, and you will be saved. It's kind of this concept, okay? So Jesus, or, or Paul here is talking, hey, listen, all aspects of salvation, what God has done, what he's doing in you, and also through you. So the ministry of the Holy Spirit isn't just that he's uh, making you more like Jesus, but he's actually working through you. We have the gifts of the Spirit, right? And it's for encouraging others, right? So, so all this, all this is by hearing with faith. All of salvation is by hearing with faith, not by works of the law. So that's, 
that's where Paul is going with this. He's really hitting home this aspect of faith and hearing with faith. So today, this is what he's going to unpack for us. This is verses 7 through 9. God's redemptive plan begins with Abraham. And this is what my point. This was God's plan all along. From the very beginning, this wasn't like he's playing this chess game and all of a sudden there's something, a move that was made and he's like, ooh, got to go with plan B. What are we going to do with this? No, no, no. From the very beginning, this was God's plan. So hopefully we'll, we'll see this as, as we work through this passage. Let me read it to you. Galatians, and we're going to um, go back to a, a, a larger context. So we're going to start in verse 1 and read through verse 9. So uh, follow along with me as I read it. Verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish having begun by the spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we ask, Lord, uh, as we work through this, would you give us clarity of what you want to communicate the, the wonderful plan that you've, you've had from the very beginning and how it, it blossoms into what we know to be Jesus on the cross. Lord, would we see how amazing that is, this work? And would we worship you because of it and give you glory? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so last week we talked about how all aspects of salvation is based on faith. And so in verse 6, Paul is connecting that with Abraham. You see, Abraham's life was one of faith. Abraham's life was one of faith. And, and he establishes this in verse 6, where it's this idea that Abraham believed and it was counted to him as righteousness. Okay, Abraham believed, and it was, and when you read that, you think, wait a minute, it's um, he's quoting this from the Old Testament, and and we just a lot of times just think of that quote, but when the New Testament quotes the Old Testament, they're not just referring to the quote itself, but the whole context of where they're getting that quote. They're they're pointing back to the whole story. So th this is kind of just a reminder, right? This is the main point, but he's, 
reminding them of the whole story of Abraham. So let me give you some examples of what Paul is talking about here. This, this man who believed and it was counted to him as righteousness. So in Genesis chapter one, verses one and four, this is God calling Abraham out to leave his family. He says, and just hear this, I don't have it up, but you can just listen. Verse one says, now the Lord said to Abram or Abraham. So the Lord spoke, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you and I will make of you. Here's a promise now, some promises. Go, and this is what's gonna happen. I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Verse four, so Abraham went. He went as the Lord had told him. So here's an example of Abraham believing, right? He heard, he believed, and then you see his belief actually take, come out in, in action. He believed and went. All right, that's one example. Here's another one. God tells Abraham that he will have the son. This is in Genesis chapter 15. Verse one says, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. So the word of the Lord came to Abraham. This is what he says. Fear not, Abraham, I am your shield. Your re reward shall be great. And Abraham said, O oh Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, behold, you have given me no offspring and a member of my household will be my heir. This is someone that's, that's not his son, okay? And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. And then this is the Lord saying to him again, so shall your offspring be, right? So remember in chapter 12, he says, I'm going to make you into a great nation. Abraham's thinking, I don't know how he's going to do this. I don't have a son. It must be through this hired hand that I have. And God says in chapter 15, no, 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 no. It's going to be your own son, your offspring. And he reminds him, he takes him outside, look at the stars. So shall your offspring be. This is the promise Okay, and then in verse six, it says, and Abraham believed the Lord and it was counted to him as righteousness. There it is. Abraham believed the Lord and it was counted to him as righteousness. So remember that phrase. It comes from Genesis 15. Here's one more example. God tells Abraham to sacrifice his only son. Later, right? He has the son, the, God, the son that God promised him. The angel of the Lord called to him from heaven. You guys get the pattern? What happens? 
God speaks. The angel of the Lord called to him from heaven saying, Abraham, Abraham. Abraham responds, here I am. God says to him, do not, oh. Sorry, I need to back up a little bit. He, he calls him out and he says, you, I want you to sacrifice your son. He speaks to Abraham, sacrifice your son. So Abraham takes his son Isaac. He goes up to this mountain. And as the knife is raised, right, he's going to sacrifice his son because what the word of the Lord came. And then the word of the Lord comes again and says, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything for, to him for now I know that you fear God. You fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. When the word of the Lord comes, when the Lord, by faith, by faith, Abraham obeys. The word of the Lord comes, and by faith, Abraham obeys. And even though there were times of struggle and even though there were doubts in Abraham's life, when the word of the Lord came to Abraham, he responded with faith. And therefore he is marked. He is declared a man of faith. That's who he is. So let me give you an example of what this looks like, uh, an illustration of this, of this idea of hearing with faith and out of that comes some type of action, okay? And um, so uh, when Aiden, I don't remember this with Miki. Miki, I don't think struggled with this whatsoever. Uh, Aiden though, like if we were on stairs, on the stairs, I remember telling Aiden, Aiden, and I was at the bottom of the stairs, I'd say, Aiden, jump, I'll catch you. And he's like, um, looking at my arms, no. Right? He's like three years old. He's like, no way. No, 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 I'll catch you. Uh. And so, no, no, just come on. And, and so maybe he would kind of lean in. And when he would lean out, I'd, I'd grab him, right? And, and this process would go to where I would say, hey, Aiden, jump. And he'd be like, whoosh, right? He heard my voice, jump. He obeyed because he knew that I would catch him. He had faith, right? He obeyed. The word came, he obeyed, he jumped. Okay, so by the way, Miki just jumps. He, I don't even have to say anything. He'll jump and I'll be like, ah! Um, but that's the picture. That's, that was Abraham. That was Abraham. When God spoke, he responded in faith. So, all that to say this, we get to verse 7. Know then, verse 7 starts with no. Know then, it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. So, what does Paul mean by being sons of Abraham? Well, it's talking about Gentiles. These Gentiles, these Galatians, they're Gentiles, they're not Jewish. They're not by blood sons of Abraham. What? So how are they then sons of Abraham? He's not talking literally sons of Abraham, but that they take on the same character 
of Abraham that we see throughout his life. They resemble Abraham in a particular way. So let me give you an example of this or an illustration of this in the New Testament. And um, I came up with this a little bit late in preparation. Um, in fact, I came up with it this morning when I was looking through this. Um, this passage kept coming to my mind. It's in John chapter 8. It's the gospel. Jesus is in his ministry. Uh, he's having a conversation with Jews, and he's telling them this. He's like, listen, abide in my word, what I'm speaking. Listen, hear it. It's true. Abide in my word. And if you do, you'll be free. You'll have freedom. And this confused the Jews. Okay, These are Jews who follow the law, who know of Abraham, know the Old Testament very well. And they go, wait a minute. Are you inferring that we are slaves? What do you mean be free? We are already free. Why are we free? Because we're sons of Abraham. Now, if you read that, you're like, wait a minute, what? Why are they going back to Abraham? Well, if you remember the story of Abraham, God promises Abraham a son, his offspring, his seed, Abraham's seed through Sarah. And what happens is Sarah goes, I don't think this is going to happen. Why don't you take the slave woman and have a child with her? And maybe the promise, the promise will be through that seed. And so have a child named Ishmael from the slave woman. God's like, uh-uh, the promise is not through that child. The promise is through this child, the, the free woman, Sarah. And so the Jews understand this, that that it's through the, the, pro, the promise that's come. The promise of redemption, salvation, comes through the free woman. So they're like, we are descendants of Abraham. We are Abraham's offspring, the free woman. Therefore, we are free. Jesus says, you know what? You're right. You are his offspring. And he has a little bit more of a conversation with them. And it gets back to this offspring of Abraham or this, uh, who is your, who's your father? I was going to say, who's your daddy? <laughs> who is your father? It comes back to this. And they say that this is really interesting. The Jews say, Abraham is our father. And this time Jesus doesn't agree with them. Offspring, yes, you're his offspring. Father, this is what he says. If you were Abraham's children, you would do what he did. You would live like he lives. You would take on the character. Well, he didn't say it exactly like that, but I'm, I'm expounding on this. You would take on the character traits that he does. You would resemble him. Instead, this is what he says to him now. He says, instead, you are of your father, the devil. Abraham? You're not Abraham's children. The father, you are of your father, the devil, and you, your will is to do your father's desires. Whoa, that's pretty powerful. See, he's not talking about blood relatives here. Jesus isn't. And I think it's, it's about 
It's about the way of living, the way of life, how, how men and women walk in their lives, their, their, their character and their values, right? And, and he's pointing to Abraham. This is how Abraham lived. He lived by faith. When the, when the word of God came, Abraham heard it and responded in faith, man of faith. And so if you have faith, right, know then, in verse 7, know that if you have faith, you resemble Abraham, the man of faith. You are like him. You are, you are a son or daughter of him. That's what um, Paul is trying to express here. So here's the question. Who do you resemble? In our lives, who do we resemble? It's very telling in our actions. Because you see, God has given us his word and he has called us to various, these promises that he's given to us. And do we respond in faith to them or do we ignore them? That's the question. Do we try to trust in our own works for salvation or are we trusting in Jesus Christ and what he's done for us? Who are we resembling? Abraham, the man of faith, or the works of the law and people that do the works of the law? All right. So those of faith are the sons of Abraham. And, and Paul's going to continue making this point in verse 8. So look at verse 8, Galatians 3, 8. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand in Abraham saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. Now this, this verse right here has uh, made me, it's a head scratcher for me. I've been trying to figure out this verse for the whole entire week, trying to figure out how it fits because there's a lot going on in this verse. Uh, it's kind of like a surprise. This is a surprise. Because in it, this phrase, in you shall all the nations be blessed. Let me, I'm going to try to unpack this. This phrase, let's start with the phrase, in you shall all the nations be blessed. This is found in chapter 12 of Genesis. So let me remind you of the flow of Genesis, of how this works. Um, first, we have creation account, those Genesis 1 and 2. And then we have chapter 3. In chapter 3, it quickly turns to Cain murdering Abel. It, or that's chapter 4. Chapter 3 is Adam and Eve falling into sin, right? Rebelling against God, eating from the fruit, um, from the tree that God told them not to. So sin comes in chapter three, very quickly, right? And then chapter four is Cain and Abel and murder. So things got bad quickly. Started with fruit, then murder. Okay, that's chapter four. Chapter six says this, that the Lord saw that the wickedness of, of man was great in the earth and that, here are the words that he uses, every, every intention 
of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. How bad did it get? Whew, it got bad, right? Every intention of the thoughts of the heart was only, not just some, not just 50%, only evil, not just some of the time, but continually. So things got so bad in Genesis chapter six, the very beginning of history, right? Things got so bad so quick that God says, you know what? Let's start over. Let's start over. Let's start over with Noah. And so then we have Noah, this righteous man, and, and he's, he's um, seen as righteous there, but and his family, right? They see Noah and his family are saved. But then what happens? After the flood, when they start over again, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, we see sin. Noah sins. He falls short to the glory of God as well. And then it gets to chapter, then you jump to chapter 11, where these people congregate together. They, they gather together and attempt to build a tower that would reach the heavens in order to make a name for themselves, to glorify themselves, not God, to glorify themselves. And this time, God comes out and he says, listen, they are together, they are unionized, like that. <laughs> they, they're united, and in this union, there's nothing they can't do, which is scary because these, these sinners that want to make a name for themselves can do some very terrible things when, they can, when they're together, right? And so he goes, we're going to scatter them uh, because them being together is far too dangerous. There's uh, creative ways that they can sin against the rest of the world if they're together like this. So this is how bad things got right? Um, this is the picture of sin and how bad it is. And we see it from the very beginning. Chapters 3 and 11, through 11 of Genesis shows how twisted and deviant and ruthless sin can be. And in these eight chapters, we find no good, good solution to the problem, all right? Chapters 3 through 11, no good solution, just all bad, and then we get to 12. What's the solution? How are we going to fix this? Here comes chapter 12. He, God in chapter 12 begins to reveal his redemptive plan when he calls out Abraham. When he calls out Abraham to follow. So God makes this covenant with him, this promise. He says, through you, I'm going to bless the nations. And this is the gateway. It's a gate that opens up to the path that will ultimately lead to all nations being saved through faith in Jesus. You see, the, you know the problem is sin. The wages of sin is death. That's, that was from the very beginning. How does, that solve, how does that problem get solved? Chapter 12, boom, the gate is open and God starts moving in that direction, starting with Abraham. That's why Paul's going back to him. How did it all begin? Here it is, Abraham. And here's the amazing thing. We can, we can tie this in. We know this. We know that this is God's grand masterful plan. If you, if you look at, like, again, the chess game, 
and you look at all the moves and you're like, while it's going on, you're like, oh, there's a mistake. Oh, there's a mistake. But if you, if you go to the very end, when you see the checkmate, you can kind of look back at the game and go, oh, wait a minute. Now I know he moved this way in order to get here. You move this piece in order for this. He's, he's arranging this. This plan is playing out. And when we look back, we'd be like, ah, there's a, there's a, this is masterful, right? These mistakes weren't mistakes at all. It was to end up here. And this is what we see. So John chapter one, verse 45. This is at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Jesus is pointing this out. Okay, so Philip, this is when Jesus is calling his disciples to him to follow him. One of them is Philip. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Wait a minute, what? Jesus? He was written about? How long ago? Where? When? Way back, Moses. Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible, right? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Numbers. Jesus is there. What Moses wrote about, that, that's, it was there. Later in his ministry, the religious leaders are questioning Jesus and his teaching. And this is how Jesus responds to them. This is John chapter 5. And I'm going to be skipping through some of these verses, but starting in verse 39, or 39, he says to them, you search the scriptures. That's the Old Testament, okay? The scriptures back then, that was the Old Testament. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. They bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. So the scriptures are bearing witness to Jesus. And then he continues on and he says this in verse 45, do not think that I will accuse you to the father. There is one who accuses you. It's Moses. This is why Moses accuses you on whom you have set your hope on him. But, or for, if you believed Moses, you would believe me for, here's the reason why he wrote of me. He wrote of me. All these things that took place in Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus, all these things were pointing to Jesus. It's an arrow to him. It's the direction, the pathway is to him. So another example of this, you guys like um, like MapQuest or like, you know, um, we used to have uh, Garmin's, I think they were called, you know, where you type in the address and these devices, now they're on our phones and I don't know about you, but that's, I mean, I can't read a map to save my life. You know, you just type in and it gives you like step-by-step directions, right? And, and on my phone, um, I need it very simple. Just give me the next move. Give me the next turn. I don't, but what you can do is you can probably, uh, I can tap on the screen and it gives you the full picture of where I need to go, right? From beginning to end from beginning to end. And so, um, so what's going on here? The Old Testament is like directions on a map. And it starts out step by step. Here's the steps. So think of it this way. 
uh, Genesis chapter 3 through 11, we are lost. We are lost. We are in trouble. Uh, we're running out of gas and food, and we, we're, we don't know where we're going. And all of a sudden, chapter 12 hits. Boom. Here's the first step. Okay. Here's the next step. The next step. And we follow those directions, the Old Testament, all the way to getting to Jesus. That's, that's what's going on here, and that's what Paul is trying to unpack for us. This is what he's, he's pointing to. Wait a minute. Guys, this has been the plan all along. You think this is the direction. No, 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 no. From the very beginning, this has been the direction. And what is that direction? Hearing with faith. Justification is by faith alone. So that's verse 8. The scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. Wow. Before the New Testament, this was being preached. And it's in this blessing this blessing. So we're going to unpack that a little bit more because it goes on to verse 9. This is where Paul concludes. So then, if this has taken place, if, if the gospel was preached way back then at the very beginning, so then, those who are of, are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. See, so he's coming back to this idea of us being related to or connected with Abraham. And this time, instead of quoting Abraham believed and it was counted to him as righteousness, now he's summarizing it as what? The man of faith. The man of faith. His life was a life of faith. And therefore, if your life is a life of faith, trusting in the word of God, you also will be justified. Paul wants his readers to know from verse 7 and 8 that those of faith are connected with Abraham. There's this connection there. There's a relationship like a father to a son. And if we have faith, we are like our father, Abraham. This blessing that's the gospel. This blessing that he's promised in Abraham, that is the gospel. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. So kind of to summarize all this, what Paul is saying here is this, that justification by faith was God's redemptive plan from the very beginning. Justification by faith. This, this gospel that I'm preaching to you has been from God. So it was revealed to me. I didn't consult anyone about this gospel. It was given to me by God. And also, it's been God's plan all along. Let me show you where. 
I'm not crazy here. You know, this is what Paul is basically saying. I'm not crazy. I didn't get this from man. It's from God. And it's from the very beginning. Let me show you where I see this, where God's revealing it throughout the Old Testament. So that's what Paul is doing. And all this, remember, chapter 12 took place. This justification by faith took place before circumcision, before this act. And remember, this, it is important for the Jewish people because this is how they uh, were identified, being separated from, from the world and, and being God's children. That's, that's this, this identification for them. And then throughout the rest of the works to be this nation, right? Um, I pray, God says, I will make you into a nation. And so in order to have a nation, you have to be set apart. You have to be uh, you have to have boundaries, right? You have to have borders. And, and God gave them borders. He gave them a land with borders. But also to be a nation, you have to have laws. And so he gives them laws through Moses. And so here's where the struggle, here's where the rub is. The Jews think, oh, wait a minute. Um, it's, it's these things that, that justify us, that make us right before God. It's, it's the circumcision and it's following not just circumcision, but all these other laws as well. This is how we are justified. And Abraham's saying, no, 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 no. Justification happened before all those laws were in place. Justification comes by faith. So, here's the wonderful thing. We, in our day, we have the, we have the New Testament we know in greater detail that justification has come because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. We know where this ends. We know where it starts. We know the path. We know it ends at the cross. That the problem of sin was taken care of on the cross. Jesus paid for our sins. Right, His blood covers us. We are forgiven through Jesus' work on the cross. And it says this in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. If, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes, believes, and is justified. How are you justified? Hearing with faith. For with the heart, one believes and is justified, and with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. This is the call. This is the gospel. It starts with faith, trusting in what Christ has done and responding to it. That's where the confession comes in and the proclamation and everything that comes after it. It starts with faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we Thank you for this word. We thank you for 
how Paul is, is pointing back to the scriptures and it just reaffirms that this is the word of God. Uh, these aren't just um, letters and books that were written and, and these men just thought, hey, let's just put them together and make it into one book and know that this was planned all along through all these all these single stories, there is one story that you're communicating. It's a story of redemption, and it's only through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Lord, may we be encouraged by that. And, and when it comes to trust, what do we trust in? It's not our own strength. It's not our, it's not our own laws or, or ideas of, of uh, what it means to be saved, but it's but it's trusting in what Christ has done for us. Lord, would we hold on to that? And when suffering comes, when trials come, Lord, would, would we cling to that truth? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. If you would like more information about Sawyer Highlands Church and Converge Community Church, and the service times for both campuses, please visit our website at www.sawyerhighlands.org. Until next time, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope.